so one thing is for certain, it's going to be a, a very busy offseason for the New York Jets. Do they make the right decisions? That remains to be seen. But in terms of us being able to throw out some opinions of our own and debate and, and have storylines to follow, it's going to be a lot of fun. Adam Gase is officially out as head coach, and I don't mind crediting WFAN's Craig Carton for having that story last week, announcing that Christopher Johnson already started telling people uh, within the organization that they were going to move on from Gase even before Week 17 was played out. I was still a little bit skeptical at the time, but I'm very relieved now to see that it is official. So looking at this offseason, it's a new head coach, new coaching staff. It's maybe a new owner, depending on what Woody Johnson feels like doing when he comes back from London. It's maybe a new quarterback. It's two first-round draft picks. It's the second pick overall. That is now for certain. And it's a lot of other talent that needs to be discovered by Joe Douglas. There's a lot of work to do. But there's also a lot of intriguing storylines to follow. And at a minimum, that's a fun thing for us as as Jet fans. I, I was legitimately worried that the Jets might say, you know what? Or actually that, that Christopher Johnson would say, you know what? Everyone wants me to zig. I'm, I'm going to zig. Peyton Manning likes Adam Gase. I like Adam Gase. And he's going to be my head coach going forward. So I, I was I was happy to hear the news that that Gase was was let go. Because he didn't deserve a, a third year. You know, l- Luckily, it did not happen that Christopher Johnson kind of forced the issue and tried to keep Gase longer than he needed to be. The Adam Gase era, the, the Adam Gase disaster is officially over. He, he could go ahead and go to New England and, and try to fix their quarterback problem. I know there's, there's rumors about Bill Belichick lighting, liking Gase and, and maybe bringing him there to be their quarterback, their quarterback coach. Go ahead. I, I, I don't care. I, I have zero fear of Adam Gase in any way coming back to bite the, the Jets. His track record of being a bad coach is too long. And far outweighs the two years that he had as as Peyton Manning's assistant in Denver. And now the question is, who replaces Gase? And, and we'll certainly dig a lot deeper into that as, as the offseason goes on. But this decision of who replaces Gase, who the next head coach is, this decision needs to be Joe Douglas's. It can't come from ownership because it, it never works for the Jets. It may have worked for the Giants in the past in terms of keeping the coach and the general manager on separate tracks, keeping them as as separate hires by the owner, separate entities that each report to the owner. But it, it doesn't work for the Jets that way. This hire now needs to be made by Joe Douglas and nobody else. Not Christopher Johnson. Not Woody Johnson. Definitely not Peyton Manning. Joe Douglas needs to hire the coach. And like I said, we'll talk more about the coaching search, the specifics as we get into the offseason and hear the candidates. I don't want to offer a prediction on that yet. I'll just say that I'd lean offense again. I'm not I'm not going to be opposed to defense, but I'd lean offense right now looking at it. I wouldn't let Adam Gase scare me off from doing that. The Jets need to develop a quarterback. Whether it's Darnold or somebody else, they, they need a, a coach who can make quarterbacks better. 
And they need a, a coach who can be here for 10 years, be here for a while. And yes, that's, that's easier said than done, uh, but it's it's been a long enough time coming for the Jets, so, so make it happen. You know, they've, they've had a lot of practice at hiring head coaches, a lot more practice than most organizations in the NFL at hiring head coaches. And I, I think it, it's time that practice makes perfect for the Jets and they they get this one right. One thing I, I think we should legitimately credit that the Jets and Adam Gase for is the lack of COVID outbreaks with the team, though, because that's not to say that every team that did have an outbreak during the year, like it doesn't fall on the head coach. They're, they're not to blame because obviously this is a virus and you, you can't control it. But I, I think Gase did set precedent for mask wearing. Uh, there were protocols in place for limiting the spread of COVID, especially in the summer when numbers were high in New York and the tri-state area, and even right now when numbers are high. And the Jets were able to avoid having a serious outbreak. So Gase, was, he was never one of the coaches on the sideline, like John Gruden, where the mask slipped below his chin or below his nose. It's obvious that he took it seriously. And for a team in a franchise that has had all sorts of, of strange locker room and off-field issues at times for as long as I've been following them, as long as I've been a fan, for the, for the Jets to go this entire season never really being in danger of, of missing a game or or losing an entire group of players for a game, I do think that is a bit of a testament to the head coach and, and the way that he ran the locker room. So I, I don't mind crediting him and even maybe maybe thanking Gase for that because I, I – I thought that there was no way that the NFL playoffs were going to start on time this season, just throughout the entire year, throughout the entire season. But prior to the season starting, in the middle of the season, near the end of the season, I, I thought at some point they were going to have to tack on at least one or two regular season weeks to be able to get through it and and, and into the playoffs. And look, even though the Jets are, are far, far, far away from the playoffs, they did their part in at least helping the entire league get through the regular season, get the regular season completed on time. And for that, I think they deserve a little bit of credit for that. And Gase, I think Gase is part of that. And Gase deserves some credit for that as well. And for this final week of the season, it was it was nice to be able to legitimately root for the Jets for the first time in a while. It obviously didn't turn out well because Cam Newton was able to turn back the clock against the Jets' defense and and put forth a, a really strong effort. But for the first time in a long time, I, I was able to sit down, put the Jets game on, and have have no confusion and not feel guilty about my feelings in terms of whether or not I should want to see the Jets get a win. And I'm not sure what week I actually I started rooting against the Jets, but it, it was probably their first game against the Patriots when when they uh, they lost a close game to New England in November to to go zero and nine. I think maybe during that during that game is when like I, I realized like I, that's when I started to feel a little bit torn about the fact that it's probably in the Jets' best interest to lose that game. But overall, I think I probably took a little bit longer than most to, to full-fledged root against the Jets. I'm not, I'm not saying that doesn't make me a better person than you. If you 
were were on rooting against them a lot sooner. It doesn't make me necessarily even a nicer person. I'm just saying that I spent a lot of this year as a very confused Jets fan. So it was nice this week to have no mental back and forth, no uncertainty about what I was supposed to do as a Jets fan. The number two pick was locked up. We root for the Jets against the Bill Belichick-led New England Patriots. Probably the most normal thing that I've done since March 11th, 2020. I thought I was going to be able to root root for the Jets last week. I I thought I was going to root for the Jets after they beat the Rams. Initially, after they won their first game, I thought going to the game against the Browns, I thought I was going to root for the Jets. But apparently there was still part of me that, that thought or at least begged to believe that there was a little bit of hope for the Jets to still be able to get Trevor Lawrence because I thought maybe... Maybe the Jaguars could beat the Bears last week. And then even when it was obvious that the Jaguars were going to lose to the Bears, I was still, I was frustrated about the situation. I was was frustrated that I rooted for the Jets to lose previously and got nothing to show for it. I was frustrated about Adam Gase. I was frustrated about Sam Darnold. Frustrated that the Jets at that point looked like they could go 1-15 and still not get the number one pick because the Jaguars played it better than they did. And then ultimately the Jets win their second game of the season, and I was unable to enjoy it. I was unable to enjoy it during the game. I I was unable to enjoy it after the game. But at least after that game against the Browns, I had a little bit of closure. I was was comfortable, and I was was starting to get ready to accept the fact that the Jets were not going to get Trevor Lawrence. That now we could just move on for week 17, move on to plan B, or at least figure out, start to figure out what plan B might be. And we'll talk plenty about this in the next few months as well. But I've I've concluded that Sam Darnold is not plan B. Sam Darnold is not the answer for the Jets. That's my biggest takeaway after this season. My biggest takeaway after week 17 against the Patriots. Sam Darnold is not the answer for any team that wants to be able to build around their quarterback. In 2020, in an offensively stacked National Football League, for a quarterback to start 12 games in their third year in the NFL and come up with 2,200 yards, nine touchdowns, and 11 interceptions? Not exactly going to give like a a fist bump and say, boom, baby, let's go. We got our quarterback into Sam Darnold. And I, I don't care how bad the team is around him. And they are bad. 2,200 yards, 9 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and, and showing zero ability to make players around him better. I'm going to have to pass on Sam Darnold. So I had the closure that Trevor Lawrence is is not the guy. And I have closure that Sam Darnold isn't the guy either for the Jets. Could he at some point in his career, could he do what Brad Johnson did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Maybe even what Rich Gannon did for the Oakland Raiders? Sure, that that's possible. I'm not going to rule that out completely, that he can't put together a couple of good seasons at some point during his career. He's going to get other opportunities. But I, I don't think he's even capable of the turnaround that we saw when Ryan Tannehill left Adam Gase. I, I I watch Sam Darnold and I think his ceiling might be Gardner Minshew. Like I, I'm not at all impressed by Darnold's ability to give you one great play every other week. 
Because that's what it seems like. At least once every two weeks, you're watching Sam Darnold play, and you say, oh my goodness, that is exactly why the Jets drafted him with the third overall pick. That is exactly why we believe that he could be a legitimate franchise quarterback. But once every two weeks is just not enough. Occasionally, he makes an eye-opening throw, an impressive run. He displays some escapability in the backfield, but but he can't do it consistently enough to the point that it makes you say he's a future star. So can a head coach or an offensive coordinator take all of his tools that we've seen and mold him into an average quarterback? Probably. But is, is Sam Darnold ever going to carry a team? No. Can he be Gardner Minshew? Sure. Because I feel like win, lose, or draw, Minshew is a quarterback that he's going to give you 250 yards, two touchdowns, and, and no interceptions. They can get blown out by 30 points. You look at the box score, and Minshew still goes for 250, two and zip. And, and I think that might be Darnold's ceiling. He needs to be on a very good team, and he can win. He can make the occasional great play, but overall, he does not make people better the, the way great quarterbacks do. Take a quick break on the Brandon Condes Jets podcast back after this. I thought I, I fully moved on from Trevor Lawrence. And actually, I, I did move on from Trevor Lawrence. I was, I was on to whether or not the Jets should keep Darnold or, or find a plan B. Was Darnold that plan B? Do they need to find a different plan B? I've settled on the fact that they will need to find a different plan B, but... I knew there was no longer a chance of Lawrence being the Jets the Jets quarterback after they beat the Browns. Like a, a girl that you knew you had no chance of dating. You eventually come to grips with the idea that it's just not going to happen. I started coming to grips with it after that after the Rams game, but I officially came to grips with it after the Browns game. The dream was gone. 0 and 13 was was all for nothing. Rooting against the Jets was all for nothing. I felt guilty. I felt dirty. I felt bad about myself for making a deal with the devil only to be spurned with three games to go. But after a few days, I was I was able to at least enjoy the closure. The Jets didn't draft Dan Marino. They didn't draft Brett Favre. Peyton Manning went back to college, Sam Darnold was a bust, and Trevor Lawrence wasn't wasn't meant to be. And it, it was exhausting having a root against the Jets this season. It was confusing, and it, it was actually it was a difficult task to do. I was glad it was over. That was that, that was the closure. I was glad we were we were on for, moving on from that. I I wanted to be sick after they beat the Rams, but after they beat the Browns, I was just I was relieved that we could stop talking about it, stop rooting against the Jets and stop fawning over Trevor Lawrence. It, it was over. He, he's gone. The girl wasn't interested. So stop trying and move on. The, the, the Browns game was that closure. It was it was much less painful of a win. And I was able to have at least a, a sigh of relief after it. And it was it was also was going to make the offseason a lot more interesting because if if the Jets ended up with a number one pick, we knew they were taking Trevor Lawrence, period, stop. He was their guy, their quarterback, their future. That was it. But with Lawrence off the board, it exposes that this myriad of questions and possibilities, debates and, and arguments about the direction the franchise should go. So at least that's a little bit exciting. Do they do they draft Justin Fields and 
Do they commit to Darnold and believe that a third regime can help this still just 23-year-old quarterback to develop? Because remember, committing to Darnold in year four means that they're going to pick up his fifth-year option. So this is something that we're going to talk about further on during the offseason because this offseason, if they commit to Darnold bringing him back next year, it means they're going to pick up his fifth-year option, which means paying him about $25 million in year five. So by not drafting a quarterback and hitting the reset button, landing another rookie contract, the Jets are essentially committing to Darnold for two more seasons and doing so at a, a pretty big pay increase. Do they insta- do they keep Darnold and draft a right tackle to put opposite Mekhi Becton? Do they, do they trade down, get more assets, and take a wide receiver? Do they trade down and still trade Darnold and try to go to the veteran route? Do they trade for Carson Wentz? Do they draft Zach Wilson late in the first round and let him compete with Darnold? The, the offseason has, has so many twists and turns now. When it would have just been, see you in April, they're taking Trevor Lawrence. So thank you, Closure, for at least making the next few months interesting. Bright side of things. But, and there there is a but with this, because if you remember after the, the Jets beat the Rams and it, it looked like they were destined for the number two draft pick at that point, I said that there better be stories written about how Trevor Lawrence doesn't want to play in Jacksonville, because there, there were those stories written about the fact that Trevor Lawrence might not want to play in New York. Reporters, analysts, writers, people were claiming that Trevor Lawrence might just decide to play another year at Clemson because the the Jets were that bad of an organization. But like Jacksonville, the Jaguars are an exciting franchise. Jacksonville is an appealing market, a franchise that does everything that they can to play more home games across the pond in London. That's the franchise that Lawrence views as a, a great place to build his career and build his brand for now and in the future? Come on. It's ridiculous. So what's interesting about the current scenario is this story isn't about Trevor Lawrence not wanting Jacksonville. It's more about does Jacksonville maybe not want Trevor Lawrence? And normally I'd say no way. This is a a BS report. I don't care how good Justin Fields looked in the Sugar Bowl. You don't. You don't throw away three years of saying that Trevor Lawrence is the next Peyton Manning, is the next greatest quarterback in the NFL that the NFL has ever seen, and you don't throw that away based off of one good game from Justin Fields. And that's not to say Justin Fields is a a good, legitimate prospect. In many years, he might be the number one overall pick. But just not this year. It's not logical. But what's interesting is Doug Marone is not coming back. And I do believe that Urban Meyer is very interested in the Jacksonville job. It's an hour away from Gainesville, where he is a god. So Jacksonville appealing to Urban Meyer makes a lot more sense than the city is appealing to Trevor Lawrence. And if the Jaguars hire Urban Meyer... And they hand him the keys to the franchise. Does he want his Ohio State quarterback to come with him? And I I know Meyer never coached Fields. But Fields announced his decision to transfer to Ohio State from Georgia December 1st, 2018. Ohio State announced that Meyer would be stepping down at the end of the season on December 4th, 2018. 
You don't think Meyer had had contact with Fields prior to that December 1st announcement? You don't think that he approved and that he wanted Fields to be Ohio State's quarterback going forward? And Justin Fields certainly did not disappoint during his tenure with Ohio State. And of all the quarterbacks in college right now, don't you think that Meyer knows more about Fields than anybody else? And of all the coaches and all the general managers of the NFL, don't you don't you think that Meyer knows more about Fields than any of they them do? So I, I don't think that Meyer would take Fields with the first overall pick because it doesn't maximize assets, so it's not necessarily the smart decision to make. But is it possible that he would trade down a spot and then take Justin Fields, the guy that he would really want? I think that the Bears traded two threes and a fourth to move up one spot and swap first with the 49ers when they drafted Mitch Trubisky with the second overall pick a few years ago. So if Meyer loves Fields and the Jets love Lawrence, would Meyer trade Lawrence for Fields and one of the, the first pick round picks that the Jets got from the Seattle Seahawks in the Jamal Adams trade? I, I, I don't think that that's crazy. Unlikely? Maybe. But crazy, no. And I'll, I'll add this as well. Well, first, obviously, forget closure for a second. Because right now, now, now I'm back to chasing Trevor Lawrence. Because although a lot has to happen, I think the scenario that I just painted of Meyer to Jacksonville, Meyer wants fields, Meyer trades with the Jets to pick up an additional first-round pick and get his Ohio State guy is actually possible. But if it does happen, if the Jets manage to avoid 0-16, when we were all rooting for them to go 0-16 to lose every game, if they manage to avoid that and still end up with Trevor Lawrence, I will never, ever, ever root against any of my teams ever again. You could take that to the bank. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. And as always, big